If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. This is Heather Bayer uh, with another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. And not much of an introduction this week because I'm going to go straight into uh, a conversation that I've just had with your friend and mine, the founder of the Vacation Rental Marketing Blog and the Inner Circle, Matt Landau. So, Happy New Year, Matt. How was your new year? Hello, Heather. My new year was lovely. I had a, a friend from childhood visiting Panama, and we went on a road trip. And on the 31st, we were down at a little remote beach town, and we went to a, a party on the beach for fireworks. And about 10 minutes after the fireworks ended and everyone was just getting started with their party, we looked at each other and said, I'm really tired. <laughs> we went to sleep. <laughs> oh, you do such cool stuff. You know, I, I stayed in. I stayed in. We, we, um, we, we tuned our radio to the BBC so we could listen to Big Ben and, you know, the countdown to midnight and then the chimes of Big Ben, which is something I always, you know, it's one of the very few things I miss about England. But the fact that I can tune into the BBC and listen to it means I'm not really missing it. And then, so that was at seven o'clock our time. So we saw the new new year in at seven o'clock and we rang all our friends and reddies in England and we all said happy new year and sang old Lang Syne and then I went to bed. Well, you know, Heather, you, you're giving me an idea because that if I was to be celebrating New Year's with people in the UK, that would mean I could go to bed significantly earlier. Well, that's a really good idea for next year. Well, that's it. And it, it, it works really well. I I. My, my whole routine, I, I'm, an, uh, I'm really early to bed at night and I get up at, at ridiculous, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. That's, I'm just a morning person. And, and yeah. to throw my whole thing out by staying up to midnight is, you know, it, it has repercussions over the next few days. So the, the only time that I, I will stay up beyond my normal bedtime of 9 o'clock is going to be at the Vacation Rental Success Summit. Because I don't know if you remember last year, um, you probably wouldn't have noticed because you may not have known that I'm such a morning person and a and a early retirer because I think on the Saturday night I didn't go to bed till after midnight and I was out on the dance floor from eleven till midnight. Special occasion. Ah, yeah, I suffered for it for days afterwards, but oh my goodness, <laughs> it, it was really, really worth it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much the same. And um, I love waking up early. And oftentimes my friends will make fun of me. They'll chat me at like 8.30 p.m. And in a joking way, they'll say, are you are you asleep yet? And the embarrassing thing is that like sometimes I actually have already fallen asleep by 8.30. So I think you and I are in the same sleep schedule. What is it they say? Early to bed or early to rise makes a vacation rental professional wealthy and wise? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I just love the mornings that it's so quiet and there's, there's nobody around and it's, I know. It, you can get so much work done and get a, you know, you can do work, you can get a workout and 
I, you know, in the summer, I'm out taking the dogs for a walk at six o'clock, and and just the dawn is just just stunning. I just have this thing about I want I want to be there when the day rises, because after because yeah. then you've got the rest of the day stretched out ahead of you. If you leave it till the end of the day, then once it goes dark, that's it. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Although when I tell my friends that. The ones that are not morning people, they just don't get it. <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah. You know, you're- hey, so speaking of the summit, how's our planning going? It is going exceptionally well. I mean, you've seen the lineup of speakers we've got. Which Incredible. It is stunning. We've just added another it's, it's, one. Who's, it's like who's who list in the world of vacation rental like thought leadership. It is. It is. We've, we've just added another one. And this was, this was a really interesting connection that I had a few years ago. Um, I was at a cottage life show in Toronto and I was approached by a delightful lady who asked us about, she she was English. So, so that was an immediate connection. And then she said she was interested in the cottage rental industry because she loved Canada so much. And she wanted to market uh, Canadian cottages to the British market. And I thought, well, this is weird because this is what I was doing 15 years ago with, with Clearwater Holidays. That's, that's, that was my business before I moved to Canada. So, you know, we really had a lot in common and we, had, we, we sat down, we had, a, had some good, good discussions. And for the next two years, her company, Triptoes, um, was marketing some of our managed properties in England and it was it was really good and we got quite a few English people come out and then it sort of it it fizzled out and I haven't heard from Jessica for a while and then I got an email from her about a week ago and she said that Triptoes had been put onto the back burner a bit because she'd now gone into relations PR uh, because that was her love and she had been to Antonio's event in Barcelona and she was starting to um, focus on PR for the vacation rental industry. And mm. would it be a good fit for her to come and present? And I thought, wow, that really? is fantastic. Because, you know, not only do we have a PR professional, but a PR professional who knows vacation rentals and inside and out because she has been, you know, she's been marketing vacation rentals for, for several years now. So how's that for, for another edition? Amazing. And, and it reminds me of a conversation that you and I had back when you were um, thinking about speakers for the first one. And my suggestion was, why don't we look into people who are outside of the vacation rental industry, maybe some marketing experts, maybe some photography experts. And you made a really good point that I really didn't had thought about before. And it was that an expert in another industry is great, but an expert in that subject matter in the vacation rental industry is like exponentially more helpful just because they speak our language and they know the types of challenges that we're facing. And it sounds like a very subtle difference, but it really is huge. So this PR person to me sounds like a, uh, an absolute steal. Yeah, absolutely. Her name's Jessica Gillingham. And, uh, and of course, she's going to come with my accent too. In fact, her accent is far more refined than mine. so i think she's she's a fantastic addition but in general you know every every couple of days i'm going on to vacation rental success summit.com and just looking through all the (laughs) all the speakers and just i get overwhelmed every time because i can't believe we've got such an array of of industry professionals 
And everyone, no, it, it, every one of these people as well, they're open. You know, they're, they're not going to come and present and just walk away again. They, yeah. they're, they're going to be in there for the whole weekend and, and sharing what they know outside of the seminar room. They're going to be, you know, in the bar and at lunch and dinner and around the nutrition hubs, as, uh, as you recall. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the nutrition hub. Yeah, all um, lovely food. You know, uh, um, an Inner Circle member, Linda, just emailed me yesterday, and she was asking what conferences um, I would recommend going to this year. And she mentioned yours, and she said, what did I think about it? And I, I obviously said, you have to go. But I, I explained it by saying it is the only event with this volume of quality independent owners and managers and thought leaders that exists. And because all of the other events do have some corporate sort of hand in them, inevitably your, your messaging and the content is somehow going to be biased. So I'm just a, a huge fan of the way you started it off, which was inviting solely people who were speaking um, on an independent basis. And when you get lots of those people in a room, like it's pretty clear that you have this year, um, it's really hard to beat. I can't, I can't recommend it enough for any independent owner or manager who wants to really surround themselves with like-minded thinkers. It's a one-of-a-kind thing, Heather. Well, that's, that's great to hear you say that. And, and ticket sales are going really well, and we're getting some good great. sponsors on board. Um, it really is going to be a stunning event this year, so, uh, so we're really looking forward to it. Oh, it's interesting. I, I was talking to Alex Nigg on the podcast last week, and, and I was asking him, that's Alex from Properly, and I yeah. was asking him about his experiences at the Airbnb Open. And he was saying it was, you know, it's it more rather than a conference, it's more of a festival. And he, he, he described it as being, which was interesting, a cross between um, Sundance, Tech Talk and Burning Man, <laughs> which I thought was a great, well, sounds, <laughs> a great description. That sounds really fun. <laughs> and um, it, rem it, it sounds very fitting for uh, my friend Chip. Connolly, who actually I just read an announcement this morning over at Airbnb, he's like a, a festival uh, maniac. He loves festivals, and he's also the head of, I don't remember, like strategic branding or vision or something like that at Airbnb up until pretty much this weekend when he announced that he's uh, stepping into a, a different type of role. But that sounds to me like something that he would have uh, endorsed, a festival slash uh, learning environment. What Alex said was that, uh, you know, he absolutely loved the Airbnb open, but he learned more from mm -hmm. VRSS 16. And I, I thought, yeah. well, that's, that, that is quite an endorsement. Um, yeah. well, so we are going to talk today about things we've learned the hard way. Um, over the over the course of time, you and I have talked about all sorts of different things, and you know we we've both had tremendous experience in building these businesses, you know, our our, our own vacation rental businesses from the ground up, and and we we've learned a lot the hard way. You know, I I always talk about buying my first um, coming over to Canada to buy my buy my first vacation rental property. And you know, the first thing I learned the hard way was about selecting the right realtor because we wasted an entire trip um, with a realtor who, hadn't, who didn't have a clue what the rental market was like. 
Hmm. So, so what was play there? What would you do next time? Well, I know enough about the industry to do it myself next time. But if I was advising somebody, and if I was saying, you know, I learned the hard way about um, about realtors and the fact that there are few that know this industry. So when you're going out looking for a realtor, you need to ask some very hard questions of them about the rental market in the area you're going to buy in. They're probably fabulous at selling vacation homes, but selling a vacation home that can rent as well is an entirely different animal. And mm -hmm. you have to ask really tough questions of them. You want to know what they know and how they have, how they have translated what they know into successful sales for other clients. So of like occupancy rates of properties or like a bedroom counts or what are some of the they, variables? Okay. They need to know what rents the best. So that could be the bedroom count. I mean, I know now in my area that, um, that the, the sweet spot is three bedrooms, two bathrooms. I also right. know now that the waterfront quality counts, but it doesn't matter if it's on a, if, if it's on a lake or river. Because now I know that I can buy a property on a river at a significantly lower price than buying a property on a lake, but it will rent just as well, providing the water quality is good. Huh. And that was something the, the, the realtor who took me out <laughs> said, oh, you never want to buy a property on a river, they'll never rent. I eventually ended up buying a property on a river and I went back to him and I said, okay, just watch me. And it yeah. turned out to be one of the best rentals we ever had. So, so yes, knowing what people will are, are renting in in that location is mm -hmm. is really important. It's like you know, you go down to Orlando and you want to buy a property um, because you think it's close to Disney, but you have no idea what the area is like. You don't know right. whether you 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 know you should be going to Celebration or or should be going to Windsor Hills or any of the other um, different resort areas. And that, that's fine if you're just buying a property for your own use. But if you're buying it for rental, then you've got to find the realtor who understands how each of these different areas rent, whether you should, whether you should buy south-facing. Should it be a south-facing swimming pool? Um, should there be a, a games room inside the house and not the, just the garage converted into one? And, and the fact that it's really important to have two master bedrooms. It's all these things that are a, a, a realtor specializing in vacation rentals. Like Erica, yeah, I mean, you met Erica Muller. Erica knows these things inside and out because she specializes in that area. And how would someone find like a, I mean, do you just Google vacation rental real estate agent in your respective destination? Or do those people even exist yet? I'm not sure they do. I think, I think there are some. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, this, this is a word of mouth thing. It's, it's finding people in the area that are renting really, really well. And you can, tell from, uh -huh. you can actually tell from the reviews how long they've been up and running, which could give you some oh, indication. Yeah, it could give you some indication of how long they've had the property. And, in fact, if, if owners are putting an about us section, they'll say how long they've had it. Get in touch with those owners and ask them who they used. Yeah, that's actually a really great way to kind of hack the, the learning process. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. So, so that, that's, you know, well, that's my kickoff into lessons I've learned. And I did learn that one the hard way because that was, that was completely wasted five day trip from England when we saw 15 properties, none of which translated into a viable rental. And I had to come mm. back six weeks later 
find another agent um, that I did find word of mouth. And then we, we actually bought the first property we saw. Interesting. Well, lesson learned the hard way. Yeah. What about you? Oh, man, I've learned pretty much <laughs> every one of my lessons has been learned the hard way. I, um, I, when I first bought my vacation rental business here in, pa- in Casco Viejo, Panama, we were not only the first vacation rental business, we were the first like accommodations in the historic district. So there was no rule book. There was no um, people to ask questions to. It was basically like go and figure it out yourself. And as a young, naive, um, recent college graduate, I just began making every mistake in the book. Um, the first one that I can think of right off the bat was this absolutely incredible manager that we had. And she was like a total gem. And we, I would say, took her for granted in a way. And not in the sense that like we didn't compensate her properly, but more so we just assumed that she would be with us forever. And there came a time when she um, was offered a, a job working for her family. And she had amazing family values. And she ended up um, resigning from Los Cuatro Tulipanes and taking the position with her family. And the mistake that we learned the hard way was that this manager had been doing everything and knew everything about our business in her head. And she hadn't actually documented stuff because we hadn't asked her to document stuff. And we were basically screwed for a good nine months. We uh, began learning this whole process of of writing out processes and and protocol and systems and stuff like that. Um, But it took us almost a year to recover from that break in the business model. And, And what I learned is that you can have a great manager, but if that manager, or frankly, any employee, if they're not putting what they know and what they do into systems and processes so that when they are ready to move on, you can easily plug someone new in, you're going to be stuck with a massive gap when that happens. And that was certainly a lesson learned the hard way. It took us, um, it, it cost us a lot of money too, because um, we were basically reinventing the wheel. Um, but I can now confidently say that we do have all of those systems in place. And if our current most amazing manager was to move on, the next person in line would have a pretty clear series of steps to follow to, to hit the ground running. That's, that's such a great point. And it, it, it extrapolates to agencies too, because quite often people start up agencies and you know, small, small agencies and they bring on staff and those staff become specialists in one area. You know, one member of staff knows all about the new reservation system um, because they've, they've gone through all the, uh, the, the tutorials online. Right. But then they go sick or they like your manager they they go on to a pastures new and and you're stuck with no one who knows what to do how to troubleshoot um the reservation system so and one of the even more common ones that most people are just like is right under their nose is the single property owner or the multiple property owner who does everything themselves and has it all in their own head and the day comes when you get tired or you want to take a vacation or you get sick or god forbid something else happens And all of a sudden, the head of the organization, the thing that makes the entire thing run, 
is removed from the formula and you are stuck. You have no way to proceed. It's a dangerous position, huh? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm reading um, Tim Ferriss's new book, Tools of Titans. And in the introduction to the book, he talks about the fact that ever since he was in his teens, he has collected, he has created standard operating procedures for everything. And he's collected information on everything, you know, every, because he does a lot of experimentation. So every, um, every experiment he's tried, he has documented so that he said, you know, he, he, he's, he talks about diets, you know, he tried this diet and that diet over the years. And if he wanted to go back to any of those diets again, he just goes back to the documentation he created at the time, which told him whether it worked or not. And, you know, with calories in, calories out, all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I thought, wow, that's fantastic. I can't start that now. Well, I could start that now, but I, you know, my, my, my span of years is getting shorter. But for anybody who's starting it's, out, this, this is... It's never too late to start. <laughs> no, I am, <laughs> I am doing that right now. I'm, I am beginning, but I wish I'd done it. I wish I'd done it so, you know, it's a lesson you learn the hard way and you're exactly, you're exactly right. Tell me something, Matt. Why did you buy your property in Panama in the first place? What was the goal of it? Um, it was actually a, a fleet of four properties and it was a pre-existing business. Um, it was operated by two guys from Holland. And I stayed in the, one of the properties on my first visit to Casco Viejo. And I really fell in love with the neighborhood. And I fell in love with um, just kind of the general, all the people that I met. And the, the property itself was kind of a vestige of my affinity for Casco Viejo. And when those guys decided to leave, they basically made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. I had no experience in hospitality. I had very, very little experience with investing or real estate or anything like that. Um, I had zero experience in emerging neighborhoods. And back in the day, a total um, emerging neighborhood would be a kind way to put it. Um, but I think more than anything, it was just the feeling of kind of uh, sensing potential. I think that's what draws a lot of people to the vacation rental industry, um, not because we've been educated to do it or because we have been trained or, or anything like that. More so, it's just kind of you sense that there is opportunity in something. And heck, before I knew it, I was running the only luxury accommodations in town. And that was an amazing way to learn lessons the hard way <laughs> because there was no competitor ready to snatch up our, our position. Um, so I very much look at it almost like my, uh, my MBA in, in vacation rentals those first couple years in Casco Viejo. Actually, another one of the things that I learned the hard way, should I, should I tell you another thing oh, that yes. really yes, yes. got us? Um, it was when, so our neighborhood is very unique. It's not like Orlando where everyone knows precisely what they're going to get. Um, it was an emerging historic district slash ghetto and we had gang violence and we had trash problems and stray dogs running everywhere. And for someone who was attracted to alternative type neighborhoods, they, they loved it. But, uh, most people, it was a little bit too intense for them. So we found that, uh, our marketing and our education, our educating of potential guests was key in the final outcome. So we felt like if we weren't doing an accurate enough of a job uh, 
helping people understand what this neighborhood was about, not even like our rentals, what the neighborhood was all about, um, they would come and they would inevitably be disappointed. And that all came to a very startling um, conclusion when we signed up for um, booking.com, if I'm not mistaken. It was either booking or Expedia, one of the big um, OTAs. And the, the, our concern was that guests could book last minute and we wouldn't have any com- communication with them before they arrived. And in our previous experiences, uh, educating the guests before they arrived, helping them understand what to bring, what to expect, where we recommend people eat, how to arrive, because, of course, there's no street names here in Panama, um, you know, what to look out for, what not to, et cetera. Uh, we, we were a little bit concerned that without that level of transparency and, and communication, we would be setting ourselves up for um, some potential disappointments. And that, in, in hindsight, was an understatement. We were hosting guests for a period of about two months that vast majority of whom were like totally freaked out by our neighborhood. And they... There was no convincing them of otherwise. They were like, just basically like, get me the heck out of here, or I'm going to keep my reservation with you, but I don't like it here. <laughs> and we learned the hard way that um, taking last minute bookings from uh, an OTA like booking.com was simply not conducive to our business model. And I know nowadays um, the Book It Now feature uh, is being pushed by even sites like HomeAway and and Airbnb, and I understand why, Um, but I also have to say that we have never been comfortable with it, and I frankly don't think our our very unique uh, business model or destination ever will. So we we certainly learned that one the hard way. We had plenty of guests who uh, drove us crazy, and probably vice versa, people who were like, asking where's the valet parking and where's the pool and where's the room service. And we just had to be very honest and say, you know, that's not what our rentals are about. That's not what this neighborhood is really specializing in. If you'd like that, we can, we're happy to book you at the Marriott downtown. And more often than not, we ended up rebooking those guests and it just ended up consuming so much of our time and our resources uh, that we pulled the plug on it. And again, I don't think I ever could have learned that without doing it the hard way. Uh, but I can now pretty concretely say that if we don't have direct communication with the guest and the ability to get them prepared, literally and like mentally, figuratively speaking, um, we don't, we don't take the booking. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you on this one. So, so what happened? What, what, so, so you, you don't advertise on, on sites now that, um, where, where people can book last minute, right? No, we don't. Um, we need to take bookings through our own booking software. We need, um, in fact, built into our booking software is uh, a grace period. So we actually don't even permit last minute bookings on our website. Uh, most of our guests to begin with are coming from another country and are planning several weeks or months in advance anyways. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we just found that the people who are looking for a last minute booking almost always, uh, ended up being more of a, a headache than they than they were appreciative or, or uh, enjoying of our vacation rental experience. Um, so we just 
made a rule that we need to take bookings through our own booking software. We need a grace period of at least four days. And of course, if there was someone who reached out and called us and we got to know them a little bit and they needed a last minute booking, we're happy to do that. But walk-ins are just not conducive to our business model. So, so what is the lesson that you learned from that? The lesson I learned from that is that depending on your destination, um, you need to be very wary of the expectation gap, which is to say what guests think they are going to experience uh, versus what they actually will experience. And if there is a big expectation gap, if, if they're expecting something and they get something entirely different, nobody wins. The guest leaves unhappy and the vacation rental owner or manager receives a negative review or at least just like a headache of trying to accommodate a guest who's not cut out for your properties. Uh, if, there is, if the gap is closed and you're able to A, accurately educate them and depict what to, to, to expect, or B, if you're a destination like Orlando and someone who's attracted to Orlando knows what he or she is getting themselves into, um, then there's much less area for potential um, you know, miscommunication or disappointment. And in the end, I don't think the expectation gap helps anyone. Mm -hmm. So it's kind mm -hmm. of a, a choice that each independent owner or manager needs to make. Is your destination something or your properties something that needs to be explained very clearly? Or is it a straightforward experience that, um, that doesn't require a whole lot of communication or that sort of thing up front. It, it, it also to this whole subject matter of um, how vacation rentals compare to hotels. Like that's kind of a hotel sweet spot is offering last minute stays because guests know precisely what they're going to get at a Marriott, for instance. But at least in our case uh, and in the vacation rental owners and managers cases that I work with, um, you could fall anywhere on the spectrum. You just need to be very conscious of that before you, um, pull any of those triggers. Yeah, it's it's having to be having to be several steps ahead of the guests at all times, and almost you know th thinking or knowing what they're going to be thinking about. And if they're making these very last minute decisions, then you don't have that opportunity to get in there and yeah. and and establish what their particular expectations and perceptions are. Actually, from that experience, we ended up creating the most read blog post on our entire vacation rental website, and it was. Uh, 10 reasons you will hate Casco Viejo or something like that. And of course it was a bit of a cheeky title, but it was designed to help people self identify as Casco Viejo enthusiasts and help those who maybe were not cut out for our neighborhood very like, um, subtly <laughs> avoid it. So like there's things like if you like, if, if you plan the most of your vacations in resort destinations, you might not like Casco Viejo. If you like chain restaurants, you might not like Casco Viejo. If you love uh, valet parking, Casco Viejo may not be for you. And from that blog post, I can't tell you how many clients have A, read it and said, oh man, Casco Viejo is totally for me. And B, folks who have even booked with us and then read it and said, Matt, like, I feel really bad, but... After reading your post, I don't think Casco Viejo is for us. And that makes me so happy. <laughs> it's just such a relief to get that out of the way before people start getting angry. <laughs> I, I love that. And I've, I, I, have just, um, I have just stolen that idea. 
Yeah, actually, a lot of other vacation rental marketing book subscribers have done the same thing. Yeah. Like 10 reasons why X destination is not for you. And if you do it subtly without like offending anyone, it's actually a great filter. Well, it's interesting. We, we talked about this at the start of, you know, when we, when we were talking about what, what we would discuss today. And, and, and I mentioned that one of the most read blog posts on Cottage Blogger is 10 mistakes that, um, that um, vacation rental owners make. You, you came back with and said, yeah, mistake posts are really, really good. They're, they're very popular, highly read. Um, so it's interesting. People like to people like to hear about the negatives. So I guess they can create their positives out of them. So talking about negatives, over time you've had negative reviews, right? What yeah. have you learned? What did you learn the hard way about the negative reviews? And I have one specific lesson. One specific bald guy. I'll never forget this guy. He came, <laughs> and I don't discriminate because I happen to be bald, bald as well. But this was a guest who came and stayed and for one reason or another was, had very, very, very high expectations and standards. And in the end, um, the experience that we provided was not of his uh, caliber. And he was unhappy and he made it known. And he asked to speak with me and I sat down with him and I really tried to understand where he was coming from. And, and in the end, I think I just accepted the fact that he, a little unrealistic, we've all had that type of guest. Never going to satisfy someone like this. Um, but I was faced with a bit of a crossroads. Um, option A was to say, you know, well, it was lovely knowing you. Thanks for staying. Thanks for your feedback. Um, adios. And risk having a negative review. Or sort of taking the higher road, biting my tongue, which complaints were so irrational. I mean, he was complaining about stuff that was just totally, in my opinion, $150 a night say. But um, the other option was to go out of my way to make sure that he left feeling happy and satisfied. And um, at the time, I, I was not as sold on <laughs> this decision-making process as I am now. So I opted for Route A which was just to kind of like accept this guy's feedback, recognize that we're not going to be able to please every guest and tell him goodbye without any kind of gesture recognizing the, the failure. In other words, a, a refund or um, well, I think it was mainly a refund. I think he was kind of hinting at that. And unsurprisingly, a week later, we got our first ever negative. Whoops. Sorry, I'm on my new... I'm on my new, uh, my new MacBook, and it somehow synchronizes with my iPhone. It's kind of frightening the way that technology does that. But anyway, um, this guy wrote us a negative review, and it was the only negative review we have ever received. We have all four- and five-star reviews, and this is the one. I think it's a two-star. Uh, and, and if you read it, it's still up there. He, um, he makes his complaints known, and I emailed him afterwards. I was like, man, like... I would have, can I offer you like a refund or something? And of course he was having none of it at that point. And there was no way I was going to get him to take that review down. And what I learned the hard way, and I now, this is now the, the lens through which I look at these types of decisions, is how much did that negative review actually cost me over the past eight years? And I think it's a lot. Um, of course, one negative review is not going to change your entire business, but 
I do believe that some people read it and say, oh, you know, they just, they don't do a good enough introduction at this place. I'm going to look for somewhere else that does. And if I could have gone back, I would most certainly have refunded that guy all of his money, whether it was $150 or, or $1,000, uh, solely to ensure that my reputation on the review side was left intact. Um, I think there's going to be inevitably cases in which you kind of have to draw the line. And I know vacation rental owners and managers are very passionate, ethical, uh, morally driven people. But inevitably, you have to ask yourself as the business owner and removing all the emotion from it, how much is this potential negative review going to damage my business? And I'm not suggesting that you should go about giving in to any of these uh, blackmailer type guests who say, refund all my money or I'm going to write a negative review. But in those little sort of precarious decisions in which you, you really are not entirely sure, should I refund? Should I ex uh, accept a last minute cancellation? Should I do X, Y, Z? Ask yourself how it will play out over the course of the next 10 years. Um, and sometimes that has the ability to sway a decision. Have you ever had a, a decision like that in which you kind of learned it the hard way? Yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly in the agency, we, we do get, you know, across 200 properties over the course of a season, you're going to get negative reviews um, and you know, more than you will with an individual individual property. And, and I remember the early years when, it, you know, you had that really knee-jerk um, personal reaction, almost a how dare they criticize yeah, reaction. Exactly. Um, and I, oh, okay, off you go. Um, and no, I'm not going to refund anything and, and you go away. And, and yes, we had some negative reviews at the, at the outset. Um, but, but now, I mean, I, I learned a long time ago from, it was a book called a complaint as a gift that nine, 90%, well, let's say 80%, let, let's invoke the 80, 20 rule because that, that really falls into, into play here. 80% of, of the complaints we get are going to be genuine. They are, mm -hmm. They are guests that are, are that they have come perhaps with with unreasonable expectations, but who are we to say that those are unreasonable? Because in their mind, they are reasonable. And if we yeah, haven't exactly. taken those steps to educate them beforehand, then who where where does that responsibility lie? So yeah. over the years, we we've learnt that eighty percent of these of, of negative complaints, when we get them, which is not often now, but they are going to be. Uh, genuine and they need to be treated with respect and in more cases than not we we will offer something to the guests you know we, we start with what can we do to make this right now and and if it comes down to you can't make it right we're leaving well that's fine and they get their money back and you're absolutely right because over the course of over the course of time a wrong decision at that point is going to have effects well beyond the, the first week or so after they leave it's it's going yeah. that that review is going to be there three years later and and somebody may come along and look at that and, and make their decision to book based on that review and not only if you lost that customer but the potential of all those that they're going to tell when they had a great time so that was a bit of a long-winded way to say yes we have had that we have you know the same thing and we have learned those those lessons the hard way when you do get the negative review, because inevitably you do get it, um, 
I, I was freaking out. Like my reputation is tarnished forever. There's no way I can get this negative review down. And I began asking future guests if they happened to have seen that review. And almost all of them that came through TripAdvisor read that review. But almost all of them basically expressed to me that, you know, we recognize that you have 350 five-star reviews and one negative one. The one negative one is actually like kind of a, uh, what did they, the, the word they, oh, it, it democratizes the feedback. In other words, like you're not like, you're, you're a real you're a real vacation rental business and you've moved a lot of people through your doors. And yeah, obviously you're going to get one or two bad apples. Um, but for us, and I'm now speaking like the guests said, uh, for us that helped us see that you were like not a fake agency creating tons of false <laughs> five-star reviews. Yeah, re really good point. Um, I, yeah, I remember having on my own property having uh, 150-odd five-star reviews and one one-star and yeah. but, but in that one star review it was it was so clear that the the guest had a, a different agenda um yeah. that, that i had I, you know i had people writing reviews say, uh, actually criticizing the negative review i don't know what that <laughs> reviewer was thinking like hanging <laughs> up on him yeah yeah actually talking about reviews um segues nicely into um reviews and tripadvisor because that was one huge lesson I learned the hard way. And it was about renting on someone else's land. Okay, go on. Okay. So we put our, all our properties. In fact, it goes back to the original Flipkey. And we started with Flipkey right at the very outset. And we had all our, all our properties on there for free. And it was at the very beginning of this uh, live review concept and we, we went into it with a lot of trepidation but we started to amass these great reviews and it was fantastic and then over time of course uh, TripAdvisor came along and swallowed up gobbled up Flipkey and then of course naturally they wanted us to pay for their uh, for our advertising which we were quite happy to do Flipkey had always always worked very well for us TripAdvisor moved into a different model. Of course, this this model of book online, you don't have any uh, connection with your guests. Um, and then they, but before that, they started out with a subscription model that we paid a certain amount for every email or every telephone call. And it actually got it, it was too much for us as a fairly a fairly young um, company. And we said, no, we 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 can't do this. We can't afford this. And we, we can't advertise you, with you any longer. And the upshot of that was we lost the nearly 1,000 reviews we had. And we wow. have never been able to get them back. Even, wow. even now, when we're now uh, in talks with TripAdvisor to um, uh, put our properties on there again, they no longer have those reviews. They can't find what? them. Okay, well, what's the lesson you learned there? What, what would you do next time? Well, one thing, one thing we do is, is, a, is a very simple thing. Every time a review appears on, on one of these um, uh, platforms, whether it be Airbnb or HomeAway or VRBO or whatever, is we copy them. We keep a copy of them with the dates, the names of the, of, of the guests, and a copy of review. Because essentially, if you look in the small print, those platforms own those reviews. Yeah, they, 
Yeah. And I don't think people realize that. They think, you know, it's a review on my property, therefore I own it. But no, you don't. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's not yours. It's written into the small print. So make sure you do something about it. Um, you know, I either... It, it's tough. You can't go to those guests who just spent half an hour of their time composing the most wonderful review on TripAdvisor and then go to the, and ask them to do it again for you. Yeah. Um, that's actually phase one, like uh, my listing site independence framework. One of the items in stage one is to manually copy and paste all of your reviews. And, and a similar one is to, to download or export all of your previous guests' email uh, or personal information from the listing site onto your desktop, just because you never know. Mm -hmm. Yes, you never know when you're going to make that decision not to list with them anymore, at which point you've lost everything. Or, as I've heard on a number of occasions, the platform drops you. You know, Airbnb makes a decision that they, they don't want to list your property anymore. HomeAway has done right. that. I'm, I'm not going to go into to reasons for it, but it has been known to happen. And, yep. and you've essentially lost all that data that uh, that has been accruing on those platforms. So that's what I'm yep. pretty passionate about because I was not the only one. We, there, there was a, we, we had a get-together at a VRMA conference a couple of years ago and there were around 40 or 50 managers who got together and you know, between us, we had hundreds of thousands of reviews gone missing. Um, man, that, that's, a, that's a, such a big one. And... Um... It kind of has to just go, it goes along with the general theme of, of independence and, and needing to own all of the content and or marketing about your vacation rental business and not relying or assuming that any of these big corporations have your long-term best interest at heart. And it's just one of those things that like, even if you don't want to do it, you can hire um, a freelancer, go to like upwork.com and Share your project. Say, I'm looking for someone to go to these URLs and copy-paste every single review and every single username or every single former guest's personal information into a private Google Doc. And you'll get a number of bids by freelancers who will do that for, I don't know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, depending on how many reviews you have. It's just one of those best practices that we need. It's like a housekeeping type thing. You just want to do it all the time uh, in worst case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly for, for, for an, in, for an individual owner, it's not as onerous as it is perhaps for, um, a, a, a property management company, yeah. but it's, it's worth, it's so worth the effort. And, and as you say, you, you can just hire somebody just to go in and do that for you. But, uh, it's, yeah, from, from my own experience, that is something you have to do. Don't, don't leave that one out. And I, I will add my last little lesson learned the hard way in the, in the same um, vein of partnerships and working with other companies. I, I learned some partnership lessons the hard way. Um, when I was first getting started, I was so eager to partner for, the, for no other reason than to like say I partnered with all these big companies. And I sent out tons of... Um, offer emails saying, oh, I'd love to partner. This is my vacation rental business or this is my vacation rental blog. And unsurprisingly, most of them went ignored, uh, much less like downright turned down. And I realized that that type of like approach clearly wasn't working. 
And the several partnerships that I did have early on ended up not really panning out. Uh, and in some cases ended up being kind of negative experiences. And I think as independent owners or managers who are growing, inevitably we're presented with more and more opportunities to partner. So we start to have tour agencies that want to partner or um, yoga studios or local restaurants or um, perhaps tourism bureaus. In the case of someone like Rick Oster, who was promoting his homes next to the Robert Trent Jones golf course. He had Robert Trent Jones golf uh, brand trying to partner. And partnerships, I've learned, are quite a tricky thing. And not unlike real life relationships and partnerships, they take time. And in order to really understand someone and a business's true mission or values, you really just need to be patient and thoughtful about the decision-making process. And I had, I'm not going to name specific names because here in Casco Viejo, it's a tiny place, but we certainly made some wrong partnership decisions early on and that affected our, our reputation in the eyes of neighbors, in the eyes of uh, guests. And what I take away from that is partnerships can be amazing. I mean, um, inevitably, you will need them in order to reach whatever levels of success you're after. But you also need to be really thoughtful about it. And choosing a business or an individual that aligns with your values, that speaks the same type of language, that really has the same sort of style of doing business is critical. And you can't learn that sort of thing overnight by any means. So being a little bit patient and thoughtful about that uh, partnership relationship um, is key. And in, in a perfect scenario, you do it slowly and thoughtfully and you form a great partnership that helps both parties. And in the opposite, in a negative scenario, you have compromised both your and the other person's integrity and or reputation. So I think we've all had some of those tough learning experience with partnerships, whether in the vacation rental business or, or in our personal lives. Um, but being a little bit more deliberate about the partnership thing is something that I certainly uh, took away from that whole experience. Yes, yeah, so if I go back to um, Jessica Gillingham and Triptoes, uh, you know, that was a partnership for our company where we were partnering with a, a reseller in, in the UK. And, and we really had to think deeply about that because she, was, she, she had this great, uh, you know, a great concept and and she was going to bring us um uk and european traffic which was fantastic but it if without going in, if we hadn't done the research we did we could have have ended up in a very different situation than we had with because reselling which is essentially what we were doing is 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 not something you enter into lightly so yeah you Research is is just integral to going into any partnership. I'm doing it at the moment because I've just had had a uh, contact from a new insurer who's telling me all the wonderful things he can do for our new owners. And but I'm not going to pass any information on an insurer to a new owner unless I am absolutely confident. Uh, and I don't know if you if you met Ross Robertson at the uh, VRSS last year. He was he he was one of our our lead sponsors from Ross Robertson Insurance, and Ross Ross has been insuring properties for us for for the last twelve years, 
and and we know it in we know his services inside and out, but he doesn't offer everything. So this other company has the potential, and it seems like for, with all their flashy stuff that they're showing me, the brochures and things, that that they're going to do everything and anything. But we just have to be very very careful to to do that research and do the due diligence before entering and into on, any partnership. And on the flip side, I, what I take away from that too is like if you are the one who's proposing the partnership, if you're going after a bigger or better company that you want to be aligned with. Recognize that the better and the bigger that that company is, the more opportunities and proposals for partnerships they receive, and the less likely they are going to be to join into a partnership with you overnight or without any real credibility or reputation ahead of time. And and maybe a, a smarter approach might be to help out that company or provide value to that company before just saying, let's get into a partnership because ultimately the more prestigious the company is, uh, the more selective they're inherently going to be. And and a way to set yourself apart would be to actually sort of flip the terms and just begin being helpful or, or building that relationship first before going straight for the the, the sell. Well, that, that's a, a good segue into um, my last um, comment, really, which is you know, similarly about partnerships. Um, I'm actually speaking about, I'm going to be speaking about this in Europe, but in Amsterdam. Um, at the VRMA Europe conference in March. I like how you you just casually say, oh, I'm going to be speaking about this in Europe. Very fashionable. Oh, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Speaking in Amsterdam. I want to speak about something in Europe. (laughs) Um, Okay, anyway. But I'm I'm talking about, uh, and this again, it's it's for property management companies, and it's, you know, how you get new owners. Um, because a you you want to enter into partnerships with new owners, but you've got to find those new owners to start with. So in doing that, I'm suggesting you know entering into partnerships with realtors. And you made such a great point there about helping them. You can't just go to a realtor and say, hey, you know I've I've got this great vacation rental um, pr- um, property management company, and so everyone you sell a, re- a, a vacation rental property to, can you send them our way? Because they're going to throw up their hands and say, why? Why would we do that? What's right. in it for me? So I, I, I actually saw a fantastic presentation in Phoenix at the annual VRMA conference last October um, by a property manager from um, Colorado. And, uh, and she was talking about um, how, how she sets up these, these partnerships with realtors. Um, because I have, and what, this is you know, something I learned. You, you cannot just go to a realtor and say, help me out without helping them out first. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me um, of a client who, uh, I can't, I think he's in Branson. Where is that Branson? Branson, Missouri. Missouri or Missouri, yeah. Missouri, depending on where you, where you are from. Tyan Marsink may, may have some comment about that, about whether we should be pronouncing it Missouri or Missouri. <laughs> he, um, Florin, his name is. He um, he's a property manager there, and he was trying to f- acquire new properties, uh, which is also in a way uh, a partnership. And he was struggling to attract uh, to find the right kind of properties. But what he did was kind of genius. He took a page out of the Help Don't Sell book, and he created how to rent out your property professionally in Branson, Missouri. <laughs> or Missouri, however you choose to pronounce it. And it was a super comprehensive PDF document, like five or 10 pages. 
And it, it included basically his secret sauce. Everything that he did, uh, maybe with a little bit um, held, held, uh, held in private, everything that he did to manage vacation rental properties effectively and profitably in Branson, Missouri. Missouri. And he offered this document free of charge to Branson property owners that fit his um, potential uh, target demographic. Now, the obvious like question would be, why would you be sharing your secret sauce with people who could then go ahead and do it themselves? And therein lies kind of the beauty of Florin's strategy. Uh, there were a number of people who read that document and went off and tried to do it himself. Uh, and he recognized that those owners uh, were not the ideal client for his type of property management firm. And there was also a handful of select property owners who read through that document and said, man, this guy really knows what he's talking about. I don't think I have the time or the interest in doing any of these things myself. I'm going to reach out to him and see if he'd be willing, if he would be willing to take my property on in his fleet. And you'll notice that the entire terms of that playing field have been reversed simply because instead of Florin going and saying, you need to put your property in my pool, he kind of began to help those property owners first. And I think in the end, he would attest to the fact that it creates a much more sustainable and frankly, enjoyable partnership moving forward, as opposed to someone uh, who maybe doesn't respect or really trust your your authority. That is great. I, I have actually read that document and I thought it was genius. So, um, yeah, he's good. Yeah. So, so Matt, that's a uh, gosh, we get to an hour quickly, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's about it. That's about it as, as much as we have time for, you know. That's, this is certainly a, to a great topic and perhaps one we, we will revisit with a part two at some point in the future. Um, anything else to add before, before you go back to your lovely sunny Panama day and I go out and walk in the snow and ice? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Other than the fact that like, because the industry is so new, if you are in a position to learn from someone else's mistake, like the ones that we've mentioned today or perhaps all the mistakes that a friend of yours has made or a colleague or maybe even a competitor, uh, because the industry is so new, now is the absolute best time to learn from those mistakes, avoid them at all costs using one another's lessons. Um, just because if, if, you, if you got started like when you and I did, Heather, and I think you were a good, how, how long have you been running a vacation rental business now? Oh, since about 1995. 1995, yeah. Um, you've gone through a, a very circuitous success pattern. And I think if I was entering the industry now or if I was looking to grow my vacation rental business now and I wanted to be as efficient as possible, uh, this would be like one of my missions is to find out big mistakes people have made, craft their solutions into my business model and, and move forward smartly as opposed to just working hard. Yeah, because no question has ever, has ever not been posed. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every question you have, somebody has had that question before you, and and you just have to do to do that diligence research to find out um, the answers the answers to it and see if they fit your situation. Um, I mean, you yeah. know, if something you know anything now that goes goes wrong, and we we had a, a, a 
a stove in a property go wrong a couple of weeks back and and we did a self-clean on it and then the door wouldn't open. So what do you do? You go straight to Google and you say, I did a self-clean on an oven and the door now won't open. And up, come, up came the perfect solution. Right. Instead it, of sitting there in front of the stove trying to figure out how to do it for hours upon end. Yes, yes. There was a video. Use a co- it was using a coat hanger to run down the side of the door and just um, <laughs> get the lock the open. Technical. I, I gave, solution. Yeah, technical solution. I gave it to my handyman who had already spent half an hour trying to get this thing open. <laughs> Here's the professional way to do it, my friend. Yeah, and he said, wow. He said, coat hanger, 30 seconds. Um, but that yep. was just, you know, you can Google. We all know this. You can Google any question. The answer will come up. You can also, you know, ask ask us. Ask ask the people who have been out there and, and who have done it. So if you've got any, any questions you... You want answered, you know, go to the show notes and uh, into the comments and ask them. And, and I'll tell Matt if, um, if, if you go there and ask a question, and I'm sure he'll come across and answer it for you. Matt, it's been, yes. as ever, uh, an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining me again. And, um, and we will talk again soon because, you know, you, you, you are helping us get this uh, Vacation Rental Summit at, in Toronto. Um, you, you're helping us to make it amazing. And uh, we will be talking again about that very soon. Absolutely. Have a great weekend, Heather. Thank you. You too. As ever, a fascinating and scintillating conversation with my friend Matt Landau. And I, I'm not going to say much more because we sort of, as usual, went sort of way over time. And I really don't like to go beyond an hour. You probably get really, really tired of the sound of my voice after that. Not the sound of Matt's voice. He always, I love to hear the sound of his voice. And, and of course, hear his wisdom. As I said, you know, go to the show notes and, uh, and comment. If, um, if there's anything that you learned the hard way, we'd love to hear about it. And, of course, I'm going to be with you again next week. Uh, so um, happy listening. And uh, I'll be talking to you again very soon. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over. But don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.